You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be starting at our new series called Jesus Is. Our goal at City Church is to make not only the name of Jesus famous, but the person of Jesus, our God, famous in this city, to be his models in word and in deed. Join us today as we declare that Jesus is God. Our scripture text comes from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Today's message is entitled, Jesus is God. I read this from Josh McDowell this week, and it really struck me. Josh McDowell talked about famous people, and he said, when famous people come into a room, the focus of attention is on them. And so, you know, over the years, you've heard me tell, and I'm not going to, I started to think about the people that I met in my life that were famous. And well, I just show you a couple of pictures of people and kind of the reaction that took place when I met these people. The first person I want you to, to see is Mickey Mantle. How many of you do not know who Mickey Mantle is? Okay, that's, yeah, that's about 20% of this, all right. Mickey Mantle, he's like, he's like, you know, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, you know, he's like, one of the, he's like one of the pillars, New York Yankee, 1950s, 1960, great ball player, great home run hitter. Mickey, I met Mickey Mantle, and I met him after he had played ball, but I met, the moment he came into the room, everybody knew that Mickey Mantle was there. He just, attention was focused on him. Look at the next guy. Larry King, how many of you do not know who Larry King is? You don't know Larry King. All right, well, he's still, you can still see Larry. He's on CNN News. He actually has his own little 30-minute program. He's the most famous interviewer. He kind of paved the way for Oprah and some of these other people. I mean, Larry King's a famous person. When I, when I just happened, when I happened to be standing next to Larry King, it was really a surprising moment in my life. But Larry King was the star that night. He was the focus. I mean, he was the special guest. He was, and all the attention was focused on Larry King. Look at the next guy here. I mean, if you do not know who this guy is, if I say the name Sammy Davis Jr., okay. All right, he was the entertainer. He's probably considered one of the greatest entertainers that ever lived. He hung out with a bunch of guys called the Rat Pack guys, and uh, you know, they made movies and sang songs. And actually, you can, you can Google his name. You can Google his gravestone. And on his gravestone, it says, it says these words. It says, he did it all. That's what it says, he did it all. Well, I don't know if he did it all, but... That's what the gravestone says. And Sammy Davis Jr., when he came into the room, he really, I mean, everybody knew. This was in the 80s. Everybody knew who he was. He was very famous. And, man, all the focus of attention was on him. Look at this next guy. Anybody? Ken Griffey Jr. You guys know that name? Okay. Played for Cincinnati Reds, Seattle, Cincinnati Reds, Seattle Mariners. Great ball player. Going to be the Hall of Fame. 23 years in the major leagues. Incredible ball player. My sons and I got to hang out one day with this guy right here, with Ken Griffey Jr. He was And the focus of attention. Matter of fact, he was late to this appointment. He was like an hour and a half late. And it was like the the program couldn't start till Ken Griffey got there because it was all about Ken Griffey. It literally was. It was all about. And people were just waiting. There was all these people from all over America that had won some kind of prize. And and they got to fly into Orlando, go to Disney World, and then hang out with this guy for a day. And that was the big prize. And, man, he kept everybody waiting. It was kind of an ordeal. But I got to meet this guy. Look at the next guy here. All right, Dean Martin. Dean Martin was a cohort with Sammy Davis Jr. And, you know, if you're young, you probably don't know this guy, but he was really famous. You can Google him. You can see all the movies that he made. But I can tell you, every time I met one of these famous people, and I've met other famous people in my life, but when I met these people, I was in the room, in their proximity. They were the focus of attention. 
They were the focus of attention. Josh McDowell says, there's some mysterious, indefinable characteristics which sets these men apart from other people. Well, that's exactly the way it was 2,000 years ago with Jesus Christ. But it wasn't merely Jesus' personality that captivated those who heard. Those who witnessed his words in his life tell us something about Jesus of Nazareth that was different from other men. Jesus' only credentials were himself. He never wrote a book, commanded an army, held a political office, or owned property. He never traveled farther than a hundred miles of his village, attracting crowds who were amazed at his authoritative words and his stunning deeds. Yet Jesus' greatness was obvious to all those who saw him and heard him. And while most people's names have faded into the history books, Jesus is still the focus of attention 2,000 years later. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Make no mistake about it today. He is God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no other God that is like unto Him. And He is our God. We don't want you to be confused today. You see, because you live in a generation that's confused. There's so many messages. There's so many gurus. There's so many spiritual teachers. There's so many people that have an idea or concept. And we have this thing called freedom in America, which we love. It enables us to pursue any pathway of life. And the first service, somebody was telling me about this community right here, not too far from us, called Casa, Casadega. And there are people who are on a spiritual journey. And they're trying to connect with the God within, the God out there. They're trying to connect with some kind of God, but... But, but they, they will not recognize that Jesus is God. He might be one of many gods, but he's not the God. And I want you to know today that we are going to prove to you from the Bible, from God's word, that Jesus is God. You see, the scripture verse that we just read was written by a man by the name of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. When Matthew was a tax collector living for himself, before he encountered Jesus, he was all about himself. He was all about Matthew. He was all about living life for himself, and, and everything was about him. He'd take advantage of people if he could. He'd build a bigger bank account for himself. It was all about Matthew. But then one day, he met Jesus, and his life was changed. It was so radically changed that he has to write down his experience that he had with Jesus. And so Matthew is writing to an audience, a Jewish audience. You have to remember, the Bible was written to specific people. And Matthew is writing this story, his encounter about Jesus, that he had with Jesus. Because he wants his Jewish brethren to believe in the same Messiah that he believed in. The audience that he wrote to, they weren't very receptive. As a matter of fact, most of the people in Matthew's day rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't believe that Jesus was their Messiah. They, they just couldn't accept it. Yeah, they saw the word, they, they heard the words and they saw the deeds, but something in them rebelled. You see, in your life, the moment Jesus' name is mentioned, two or three things happen. One of the things that happen when people hear the name of Jesus is many times people react. They'll hear Jesus' name and they'll be like, hey man, you know, 
We don't talk about religion or politics here. You can talk about any other name. You can talk about Muhammad. You can talk about you know, Buddha. You can talk about spiritualism. You can talk about crystals. You can talk about all the... And it doesn't really elicit an emotion from people. But the moment you say the name Jesus, something happens in people. People react. Some people rebel. Some people just say flat out, that's not true. But then there's other people who respond. They do what I said. They run to Jesus. They hear about his... They hear about his amazing love. They hear about his amazing grace. They hear about his power to forgive. They hear about his one... They see it. They don't just hear about it. They, they sense something in their heart. Now, yes, I want that. I want that experience with God. And see, this morning, the Bible proves to us that Jesus is our God. He's not just one of many gods. He is God. In the next six weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus is. And we're going to fill in the blank. So I want you to bring, take one of those cards and invite somebody to come. Because we're just going to talk about Jesus. It's not about politics. It's not about religion. But it's about having a relationship with the one who made and created us. The one who knows every detail of our life. The one who has a plan for us. The one who's called us by name. The one who's full of grace and love and mercy. I want to give you five proofs this morning. We're going to go through these quickly. But the first proof that we have that Jesus is God is found in his name. His name proves that he is God. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 with me. And the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save their people from their sins. This verse not only tells us who he is, but this verse tells us what he does. He is Jesus. He is our God. But what does he do? He saves people. He delivers people. This verse, Jesus, his name shall be called Jesus. In Bible times, as a matter of fact, there are four other Jesuses that are actually mentioned in the New Testament. But the name Jesus in the Hebrew was Joshua or Yahshua. And it simply meant God is our salvation. God is our deliverer. You see, The Jewish people were expecting that God would raise up a deliverer. That he would come from the line and the throne of David. David was the greatest king. I love reading the stories of David. I mean, David was a passionate man. You know what I know about passionate people? Passionate people, they do some really good things, but sometimes they do some really stupid things. Because they tend to be driven by their emotions. And David was a passionate man. And David did some really incredible things for God. He did some stupid things. But when you get to the New Testament, all you see is the forgiveness and the grace and mercy of God. Because David knew his God. And God said that from David's throne, there would come a Savior. There would come a Messiah. There was actually their expectation. Today, in Orthodox Judaism, there's still an expectation that the Messiah is going to come. And I tell them, yes, the Messiah is going to come again. You see, Jesus was and is God and is their Messiah. You see, the name Jesus, all throughout the... You read, this is the things that people said about Jesus. The people said that he was Emmanuel, God, who was with us. you got to hear me today. Jesus is not just a good luck charm. Jesus is not just a cool dude or your BFF. Jesus is God all by himself. 
Jesus is Lord. You see, Thomas, who even walked with Jesus, who even ate at the same table as Jesus for three years, didn't believe until he saw the resurrected Jesus. And when he saw the resurrected Jesus, he saw the nail prints in his hand. He saw the the gaping wound, the scar that had closed over on his side, the nail prints in his feet. The Bible says that when Thomas saw Jesus, he fell down and he said, my Lord and my God, Jesus said of himself, Jesus said, I am the word of life. Jesus said of himself, I am the bread of life. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want you to know the moment that Jesus said that he was the great I am, the moment that he declared that he was I am, that very moment he was saying that he was God. You see, because the Hebrew people, you got to remember this is written to Jewish people. The Hebrew people instantly, the moment he declared that he was the I am, their minds flash back to Moses, their great spiritual leader who led them out of bondage, out of bondage, out of Egypt after they'd been held slaves for over 400 years. Their mind went back to Moses' encounter with God. Because see, when Moses encountered God, it was at a burning bush. And he said, Moses, take off your sandals for the ground that you stand is holy. And Moses said, well, who are you? And God said, I am that I am. You see, I want you to know today, the moment that Jesus declared that he was the I am, there was a reaction. There was a rebellion. There was something in the hearts of people that said, oh, how could this man be? But when they saw the deeds and they heard the words, they had to make a choice. Just like in this generation, men make a choice. Some people rebel, but some people respond. See, my job this morning is simply to declare that Jesus is God. You see, his name is Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, the God who is with us. He is a God who is with us today. He will never leave you in your darkest hour. In the moment of depression, despair, he is the same Jesus. He's the Jesus who not only will save you from your sins, but that today we pray that he would be the Jesus that would heal you of your diseases. You see, Jesus is a compassionate Savior. He is a God who created heavens and earth and created mankind as his own special creation to have an intimate relationship, to know personally, and to fellowship with forever and ever and ever. His name is Jesus, and he is our God. Give the Lord a great big hand clap. You see, he's our Savior. Jesus has come to save. He's come to save and to be with. To be with you. He's with you. He's with you today. He sees you when you're driving down the road. He, he is with you when you're laying in bed at night. He, he, he's with you when you're on the job. He's always with you. Because he's given you a spirit. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples, he said these words, Lo, I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. Emmanuel, God who is with us. The second thing that proves that Jesus is God is his virgin birth. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A virgin shall carry a child. Impossible. Impossible, the natural. But it is possible when the God of creation, according to Paul the Apostle, who is God himself, humbled himself and took upon the very personhood of man. 
He set aside for a brief period of time, 32 years, he set aside the prerogative that he was God all by himself and he came in the form of a man. And his name is Jesus. It's impossible for a woman to become pregnant without having a sexual relationship with a man. But Mary did. It's called the virgin birth. It was prophesied 700 years, 700 years before Jesus was born. The virgin birth was prophesied by Isaiah. And Isaiah said these words, that he shall be called Emmanuel. He shall be born of a virgin, and the child will give birth, and and the woman will give birth to a child, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Scholars today reject it. People today don't believe. But if the virgin birth didn't take place, then the foundation of Christianity is not only faulty, but it's a complete failure. One professor said it like this. He said, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ is the central fact of Christianity. Upon it, the whole superstructure of Christian theology depends. Your faith in the promises of God, your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in eternal life is based upon this foundation of the virgin birth of Christ. God himself came into a woman without a sexual relationship. And this woman gave birth to this man, to this child, and his name is Jesus. The name's been slandered. It's been denied. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day rejected it. But I want you to know today, I want you to know today there is salvation found in no other name but the name of Jesus. You see, the promises of God, the promises of God are true. They are yes and amen to them that believe. Because of the virgin birth of Christ, we can believe the rest of the promises of God. Because of the virgin birth of Jesus, we can believe the promises of this book. The promises that God forgives. The promises that God heals. The promises that God delivers. The promises that God provides. The promises that God is with. We can believe the rest of the promises of this book. Because of the miraculous supernatural birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing that I want you to see this morning is that there were signs surrounding his birth that proved that he was God. In Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod. And Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born, born King of the Jews? And he saw his star in the east. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The sign of the star. This is a supernatural star. Scholars, they've studied this. And they said this star appeared to these men. These astronomers. These wise men. They were wise men. They were the smartest men of their day. They were the PhDs. They were the brainiacs. They were the Harvard graduates. The Yale graduates. They were the, they were the PhDs of their day. This star appeared to them. How? We don't know. It was a miracle. But something about that star they knew was different. You see, that star, they had been studying the signs of the sky, and there was some understanding that this Messiah could possibly come at this time. And the Bible says that they followed the star to the place called Bethlehem. The place called Bethlehem. Jesus was already a child. One of the ways that we know, one of the ways that we know that Jesus is God is because that when these men encountered this baby, when they encountered this baby, the Bible says that they worshipped him. They worshipped him. Think about it. I've had two boys. 
I have two boys to prove that I am a man. I'm not just a male. I'm a man. I've had two children. I've had two children. And when my children were born, I loved them. They were beautiful. They were precious. I, I still love them. I still adore them. But I don't worship them. No one worshiped them. I mean, they're cute to hold. And second service, we got to dedicate two babies because they were twins. We call them A and B around here, Aiden and Blake. And, and we got to dedicate two babies. It was really cool. But you know what? As cool as it was and as wonderful it is to see little babies come into the world, no one worshiped. Not one person felt that. We worship you, Aiden. We worship you, Blake. No one did that. But when these men, these wise men, these studied men, these learned men, when they encountered Jesus, the Bible says that they worshipped him. They worshipped him. All throughout the Bible, men that encountered Jesus worshipped him. As a matter of fact, my mind went back and I began to think about a man. He was possessed by devils. He was bipolar, schizophrenic, manic, depressive. He was anything that the world would label him. He had issues. He had problems. But the Bible said that he was demon-possessed. And when he saw Jesus from afar, the Bible says he didn't run away from Jesus. He knew there was something about that man. He knew that there was a power in that man. He knew there was something about his presence. And the Bible says that the man ran to Jesus and he began to worship him. There was a woman, she'd heard about Jesus. And the Bible says that for 12 years, she was sick. As a matter of fact, she said that she had spent all of her earthly wealth trying to be healed by physicians. But one day, the great physician came. And when the great physician passed her way, the Bible says that she fell down and she began to worship him. You see, not only to people who needed healing, deliverance in their bodies, there were people who were doubters. People like Thomas, who at one point didn't believe, but when he saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus who saves and delivers and heals and has the power to change your life, I want you to know, when he, he saw that Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says that he began to worship him. This is so significant. People worshiped Jesus in his day, and he never stopped them. Mary and Joseph never stopped these wise men from worshiping Jesus. When people fell down and they began to worship him, Jesus never stopped them. You see, rulers worship Jesus. The ragged worship Jesus. The ruined worship Jesus. Even the religious worship Jesus. Because I want you to know today, there's only one who has been born unto heaven, and his name is Jesus, who is worthy of your worship, who is worthy of your praise. Because Jesus is... Our God. His virgin birth. Jesus was baptized. One of the clearest signs of the triunity of the Godhead. We see the Father's voice. We see the person of Jesus. And we see the Holy Spirit who enlightened himself like a dove. Showed himself. We see all three things. What happened at the baptism. Something significant happened. We hear the voice of the Father which is so awesome and so cool. But we see the identity of Jesus, this sinless, perfect Son of God. This 
God-man. We see him at the baptism, and we hear the voice of the Father. You see, at that moment that Jesus went into the baptism pools, although he who knew no sin, the Bible says, at that moment, he identified with your sin. You see, you would need a Savior. You had not been born yet, but the moment you were born unto planet Earth, you were a sinner in need of the grace of God. And when Jesus went into that pool of baptism, he identified with your need for him. You see, not only did Jesus identify with you, but at that baptism, Jesus was anointed. Jesus was anointed at that baptism by the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus did no mighty miracles until this anointing took place. You see, in your life, you will never be able to experience the miraculous, supernatural, changing power of God until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you today. He wants to change your life. It's the Spirit of Jesus. The disciples preached it. They experienced it. They knew it. They lived it. The baptism of Jesus. But one of the great signs that Jesus is God today was his temptation. The temptation of Jesus, the sinless Son of God, born of a virgin. The Bible says that Jesus was led. He was literally driven into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested for 40 days. Israel, for 40 years, wandered around in the desert. All kinds of significance around 40 days. It rained judgment for 40 days. All kinds of men fasted for 40 days. Jesus, after 40 days, come on. Most of you can't even go two meals without your stomach feeling like you're going to die, like you're starving to death. Jesus went 40 days without food or drink. At the end of that 40 days, you know he's got to be exhausted. He's got to be famished. He's got to be tired. He's got to be hungry. Satan came to him, tried to test, tried to tempt him, tried to tempt him to sin from God. But see, God could not be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt any man. You see, today, you are not tempted by God ever to do evil. Evil comes from within and from without. And when it comes from without, it's the evil one. His name is Satan, Lucifer. He's the slander. Jesus called him a liar, the father of lies. And from the beginning, he lied. And he tried to lie to Jesus. He tried to tempt Jesus. But I want you to see what Jesus said. You see, when Satan came to tempt Jesus to sin, Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is rich witten. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God. Jesus used the word. Jesus quoted the word of God. The unchangeable, immutable, infallible, holy words of God. God spoke. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written, thou shalt worship, thou shalt serve, thou shalt have no other gods but me. Get behind me, Satan. See, you're tempted. We're all tempted. Every person in this room, we've been tempted. We're tempted today. We were tempted yesterday. But you have power today over the enemy. The reason that you have power is because Jesus demonstrated his power as God. One of the proofs that Jesus is God is that he demonstrated ultimate victory over Satan. You see, Satan thought he was going to win. If I could just kill this man, Jesus, then the battle's over. But let me tell you, it just begun for the devil. For the moment that Jesus was nailed to that cross and he declared, it is finished. Victory was won. Victory was won. Oh, grave, where is thy... Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Let me tell you today, when Jesus declared it was finished, he broke the power of sin and of hell from your life. Jesus is God. 
Jesus is God. And Jesus defeated the enemy on your behalf. He was the only one who could do it. Innocence wasn't enough. Adam and Eve were innocent in the garden. But it wasn't enough. You see, when Adam and Eve were tempted in the very beginning, although they were innocent, when temptation came, they couldn't do it. You can't do it on your own. You know, I find it interesting that before, I mean, when I was living like the hellion and running my own life, I gave in to every temptation that there was. Anything I wanted to do, I'd do it basically unless I thought I was going to get in trouble. And when I was living that kind of life, I didn't have a lot of resistance to evil. I just did evil. I mean, I, I, you know, not all the time. I still, I never went to jail. But I mean, I just did what I wanted to do. I was living for myself. The moment, the moment I came to Jesus, the moment I came to life, all of a sudden there was a war. There was a battle. All of a sudden there was a war. I realized there was a choice between good and evil. But as I started serving Jesus, I realized, you know, I could win. I could overcome. I could overcome. I could be victorious. I could live as more than a conqueror. I could be the head and not the tail. I didn't just have to give in to the circumstances and the things that happened in life. I could be a follower of God. I could worship this Jesus, and my life would never be the same. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what's happened to many in this room. See, today, I want to give every person in this room an opportunity to know this Jesus. I want you to bow your heads, and in just a moment, I'm going to give every person an invitation to know Jesus as their God. See, today, Jesus, Jesus, although he was a man who lived 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that he lived a sinless, perfect life. He died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. He was victorious over sin. He was victorious over Satan. And today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the place of authority in heaven, and he's praying for you at this very moment. You've never given your life to Jesus, our God. You've never done that. Today, I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to give you that opportunity to surrender your life to him. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. I'm going to tell you there's going to be challenges. For some of you, it's going to be the first time that you realized a real spiritual battle existed in your life. Some of the hardest days that I've had have been as a believer fighting against myself, fighting against the forces of darkness that were trying to get me to go the wrong direction. But I want you to know, thanks be to God who causes me to triumph today. His Spirit's in me. His power's in me. His grace is in me. God's created me to be victorious. Thanks for listening to this message, Jesus is God, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.